Hey there, entrepreneurs, and welcome to the third episode in our Money Mindset Month series. If you haven't had a chance to go back and check out the past two episodes, they are chock full with amazing information to help you overcome any mindset blocks or just, you know, to give you some tips on how to budget and you know, manage your money. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible Samantha Edis. Let's go. <laughs> Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. And welcome to today's episode. I am over the moon excited to have this conversation with this fantastic human being. I am joined today by Samantha Edis, and she is a dynamic entrepreneur. That's like an understatement of the years, folks. Um, author, speaker, mother, co-host of the fantastic podcast, What's Her Story podcast, and most recently, the founder and CEO of Park Place Payments, which is a company made for women by women, which gosh knows we need that right now. So Samantha, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I know I went back and forth. I was like, should I read the entire bio? Because you have so many amazing things in there. So. No, thank God you did it. <laughs> no, no, always a toss up with people. I'm like, I don't know. I want to brag about you, but then there's that awkward moment. I, I'm such a fan of a short bio because I feel like in our conversation, people get to know you and people fall asleep right. with a long bio, right? Exactly. Like, oh. They do. They do. So, well, I chose right. Yay. Yes. <laughs> well, let's jump Very. in because there's a lot to cover. Um, so give me, let's just start off by giving me kind of your two cents on what the current landscape is regarding women, the workplace. It's a hot mess. Just give me your two cents on that friend. To feel negative right now about what's happened with women in the workforce since the pandemic. Um, and then we can talk about a couple of the positive sort of bright lights about it. But yes, um, I think what we saw was almost, um, we could have seen it coming, which is that women already bear the brunt of childcare and housework and labor at home. And so when suddenly all of our kids were sent home, right. And there's no school anymore. Mm -hmm. Who do you think that falls to? So it's not a surprise that that has fallen to the women. Now for a long time, I've been out there saying like, you know what, you can't have a quality at work if you don't have a quality at home and you can never reach your potential if you don't have an egalitarian relationship at home. And I think that we've seen that play out. And then of course we've seen, um, you know, women of color just even more disproportionately impacted by this. And I think it's because so many of the service jobs um, that people of color have, have taken on because of the income disparity in this country and so many other issues that we don't have to discuss right now, but, but, but because of that, they were also disproportionately affected because so many of those positions were eliminated because of the pandemic. So it's just kind of a perfect storm. And I think what we've seen and what alarms me a little bit is the reaction to it. So 
I think what this puts at sort of front and center is we need universal childcare. We need, um, you know, paid leave policies that are, are fair. We need pay equity. And, and so that's really important, but we don't want to move backwards. We do not want to say like women need a childcare stipend because then you are putting forth all of this, um, this is like the Phyllis Schlafly era of Schlafly era. I mean, this is to me, it's terrifying. You know, when you yeah. say like women need a childcare stipend, no, 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 no. Parents, if you want to give parents a childcare stipend, but you don't know be better, give childcare providers childcare stipend. So give families a stipend to give to childcare providers so that they can go back to work. Yes. And I think so much of these suggestions are um, kind of band-aids on a much larger systemic problem. But at the end of the day, we need financial independence for women. And Mm -hmm. so many people are financially stuck. And I think that the one silver lining in all of this is I think workplaces are going to be a whole lot more flexible post-pandemic and a lot more family-friendly. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And it's, it's, it's just very interesting because of that, you know, the guys felt it too, not as much, I would say, but you know, I have a husband at home too, who's working full-time just as much as I am. And all of a sudden he was like, oh, I had somebody get annoyed at me because somebody was in a call, you know, a kid popped on a call or this. And I was like, oh, did you, <laughs> like, you know, because I think that is the pressure that we are feeling. And we all know change doesn't happen until the key people at the top feel it. As well, By the right? way, I, you know, I want to share it, something that happened this weekend that I keep meaning to write about, but on Sunday, there was a clubhouse town hall, you know, the new social network yeah. clubhouse. Yeah. And the two founders do a town hall for one hour every Sunday with the entire clubhouse community. Yeah. And they share the newest updates, et cetera. And one of the, the co-founders got on and he said, um, by the way, I have my baby with me. So there might be a lot of noise in the background. I'm going to have to mute myself a lot. And I thought to myself, like, how awesome is that? Yeah. Right. Like super, this awesome. is the progress we need to see. And yes. no one even thought twice about it. And I was like, Whoa, that's super amazing. Yeah. And that's, that's what we need to see more exactly. of. And I think that that's out there. We're just not talking about it enough, yes. but you know, that's why we, we had the progression from maternity leave to parental leave. Like these, yes. these language um, nuances are very important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and there are so many men out there who want the credit to the, for what they're doing. They want to be allowed to do it. Cause I know like my husband gets annoyed when somebody says, Oh, it's so nice of you to watch your children. And he's like, Oh, it's a joke. Them. I know my husband is like, like mine. Right. And it's like, it's not babysitting. It's called parenting. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And we do it to ourselves, right? People would always say to me, you're so lucky that your husband makes lunch boxes. I'm like, yeah, it's not luck. Exactly. I would not expect anything less from my partner. Like mm-hmm. he, we're partners and that's what, you know, and, and there's no reason that's my job over his. It's crazy. No, no. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head and the more we can get men to speak about that, the more men feel okay stepping into the true partner role and the everyone benefits from it, from that perspective. That's just kind of my two cents. So thank you for saying that. Um, but you, you couldn't be more correct with saying that we need financial freedom as women though. Cause I think what was, I went to a workshop a couple of years ago that said, you know, we are the most educated women when it comes to money, but we don't do anything about it. So can you speak a little bit about that kind of facet of things? I think it starts from such a young age. Um, we teach, you know, 
girls to look pretty and to do ballet and, you know, boys to go play in the mud and play sports and be strong. And I, I think that we, they're very subtle, but I remember my daughter was like the only girl in her Lego robotics team and she was yeah. only eight or nine. And I thought, why does it start this young? And so I think that we put our kids in boxes in a way. And then they also see very traditional marriages at home yes. sometimes. And when you, what you see, you become right. Mm -hmm. And if you can't see it, you can't be it. Right. And so every time, you know, a mom says, Oh, let me ask daddy if we can spend our money or I have to, you know, daddy has to pay the bills or thank daddy for, for paying, it's like we are going backwards, right? Yes. So yes. I think it's so critical that we start teaching financial literacy from a young age. I was fortunate enough to have a mother who, when I was, I think, nine years old, we grew up in New York City and um, we got out of the elevator and she said, you know, Mrs. Riles, who you've known her whole life? Yes. Well, she hates her husband, but she has no money of her own so she can never leave him. Yes. Never be like Mrs. Riles. So it was a pretty crass delivery of the message, but at the end of the day, it was a great message for me, right? Because I've always known it's very important for me to have my own financial footing. And that was the message. It's like never depend on another human being for your financial survival. And I think that there are so many, I mean, you and I could talk for hours about what's right. at play in this, but yeah. I do think that it's critical that we encourage women to talk about money. Like yes. your next girl's night out. Don't just talk about your relationship. Talk yeah. about money. Exactly. And go into the details and actually teach each other about it because, you know, I've heard you speak. I was doing the research and heard you speak about investors and going through all that process for your company. And women don't even know that exists. And that's on such a, a high level, but just talk about the basics, expenses, and things like that. Just the basic things about money to start with, right? Well, I think that in many ways, and I'm a victim of this as well, we become a little bit phobic around numbers and money because we, yeah. we aren't financially literate from a young age, right? And right. that's considered a men's domain in certain places. And I yeah. think that um, it's just so critical to get comfortable with that. And if you, I always just say, okay, if you go out to dinner, two couples go out to dinner, right. Mm -hmm. And they might have met for the first time, right. They're, they're parents in class and they go out to dinner for the first time. Yeah. And most likely those dads will talk about their careers. They'll exchange business cards and the women will talk about school and the kids. Yeah. And it's very rare for the woman to be like, here's my business card at the end of that meal. I mean, how rare would that be for another woman that you just go on a double date with to say, right. here's my business card. I'd love to catch up with you on Monday and talk about our work, right? Like that just doesn't happen, but it has to happen. And I remember I used to say to my husband, like, by the way, she's in an industry that is totally related to what you do. So you should give her yeah. your business card. Like, yeah. It's, it's this thing that we're just not comfortable talking about our careers. And I was once at a, a new kindergarten parent night and we came home and my husband said, wow, what a great group of parents. Right. And I said to him, I just want to know if we'd come home and met 15 sets of parents and 14 of the men were unemployed would you come home and say, what a great group of guys. Exactly, exactly. Because that was my experience tonight. I asked 15 women if they worked and one did. A second one said she worked, but it turns out she worked on the school auction. And that was my yeah. night. And he's like, gosh, I've never thought of it that way before. Yeah. yeah. And I think that we have to normalize. Let's talk about money. I always say, 
ask every single woman what she does because men are afraid to ask women what they do because they're afraid they say, oh, I'm at home with the kids, but that's okay. Exactly. If you say to a woman, what do you do? And she says, I'm home with the kids. Well, what did you used to do? Yeah. And that will start a conversation. Yeah. I mean, just, I think it's just, it's going back to basic human, like nicety in a way, right? Like you don't like the certain questions that are gender specific, right? Like you said, like you just said, ask the guy what he does, ask the woman whether or not she stays home or not. Like that is just so jarring. By the way, when you say, what do you do? No one's offended. What do you do? Exactly. I'm home with kids for years. I used to run a marketing company. It doesn't matter. It adds a three-dimensional aspect to that human being. Exactly. And I think we're more than just kind of our business cards on a lot of levels, but all of it counts, which is a wonderful transition, my dear, into telling us about Park Place Payments, please, because the story that you kind of came across and how you came up with the idea was really inspiring because you did, you disrupt, you disrupted an industry, which is pretty freaking phenomenal. And, and, and it's funny because <laughs> we're disrupting it in a very unique way, which is the experience, right? Like we're selling commodity just to, to back up. I was on a book tour for my last book, which was all about work-life balance. And for years I was kind of in the work-life balance space with the idea that if I could help women thrive professionally and personally at the same time, I could keep them from having to feel like they had to leave the workforce after yes. they have families. Yeah. So when I was on the book tour for the pie life, which was my last book, I met women across the country. I spoke at Google, Twitter, General Mills, and a lot of women's conferences. And the one group of women I couldn't help were those that had left the workforce and wanted to get back in, but found no opportunities except for selling makeup and skincare and essential oils to their friends. And most of them were not even making martini money. And I thought, what's going on here? About 10 years ago, I was at a conference that was like a boondoggle for the top guys in the payments industry. I had at the time knew nothing about payment processing. Right. Um, and it turns out that every business from a yoga studio to a hair salon to a dentist that accepts credit cards has this intermediary middleman between Amex, MasterCard, Visa, and the business. Yeah. And today the middleman is 30,000 white men. So I thought <laughs> I got to this trip. I was the only one who did not arrive on a private plane. And I said, where are the women? Where are the people of color? And everyone laughed at me and they said, there are none in this industry. And it was all recurring revenue and it's not a complicated product to sell. And I thought, okay, one day I'm going to come back and crush these guys. And I thought I'll do it when I'm 70. Like I don't need to do it today. Yeah. Yeah. But then when I was on the book tour and met all these women, I was like, oh my gosh, what if I could train these women instead of selling makeup? What if I could train them to sell financial services to their local businesses, the businesses they already have relationships with their dermatologists, their kids, pediatrician, their favorite bookstore. And so I spent 2018 testing the model by going to six different cities and training women who had zero background in financial services on how to sell it. And based on their success, we raised our first round of capital in 2019. And now we're just closing our seed round in 2021. So it has been a wild ride. It's definitely been the most rewarding thing I've ever done um, because we're helping people earn money in a new way. They're earning recurring revenue. They, it takes a long time to build up, but once they build up, they get that recurring revenue check every single month, every year, um, for the length of the account, we are not losing accounts. So it's been really an incredible, um, thing to see. The other thing I love about it is that if someone joins us, and they would like to get back into the workforce, right? They suddenly have a resume item that looks pretty legitimate. They have been 
in financial services, selling financial services to businesses. So no matter how much they sell, if they sell one account, if they sell 50 accounts, it's going to get noticed as a resume and they're going to get that interview. And so that was another thing. It's like, no one's really taken seriously when they're selling jewelry to their friends. No one thinks of that as a legitimate job position that you've had, but this is a way to kind of get your resume back into the shape it needs to be in. Yeah. And I love it because you're, it's, it just helps on so many different levels because, you know, the, the women that I know who would be perfect for this, which I'll be telling them about it, um, you know, are the ones who are brilliant. They're brilliant women and they shouldn't have to choose between like that gap year and being worried about never being able to work again and their families. That's an unfair choice. One that men aren't necessarily making and two that does this world a disservice because they're brilliant people. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And what happens is that when people leave the workforce for even just two years, they've taken such a step back financially, but also it's, it's so more than 50% of the people who leave for just two years will never have a full-time position again for the rest of their life. Wow. Wow. Can you just just say that stat again? Can you say that stat again? Because that's like, so, World rocking. So if you leave the workforce for just two years, there's less than a 50% chance you will ever have a full-time position for the rest of your life. Wow. Wow. And the terrifying thing about that is that we all do it, right? We look at a pregnant woman and we say, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay home? Or are you going to go back to work? And we never do that to dads, right? If no. Someone says to you, oh, we're having a baby. You never say, oh my gosh, are you going to focus on your baby's feeding and sleeping schedule? Are you going to go back to the office? We don't say that. And so it's financially very risky for a woman to do that. And we're not sharing that information with people, right? Like, so the most important thing is if you are going to make the decision, you have to keep a foot in the door the entire time so that you're protecting your family financially, because more often than not, something unexpected happens, a marriage dissolves, or there's a death or an illness or a job layoff. We just don't know what's going to happen. And so you want to have that padding. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think you bring up a very good point that you always want to have a foot in the door. And I think sometimes we're told pick one, pick one or the other and focus just in on that, which to your point, you never know. And I'm a, I'm kind of like a planner and a risk averse type of person too, similar to what you're saying. Like you don't know what's going to happen in five years. And I've seen too many women to similar to what, like your mom said, that couldn't get out of situations because well, when you have no money, you have no, no choices, right? You're nothing. You're, yeah. you're, so limited. Um, and it's, it's just one of those things that it keeps your ability to make decisions for your kids, for yourself, for, for all of the decisions are based on money and, and your access to money. And so I think it's so critical that we start talking about it. And it's funny, what you just said is so dead on, which is that as women, especially as planners, or especially if you're like a type, you know, it's, it's very easy to think, okay, if I'm just a mom and wife, I'll be the best mom and wife ever. And I'll never focus. And like my, yeah. my, my big kids will be Pinterest worthy and everything. Right. Yeah. And like, and then, you know, we think, okay, if I'm just, I'm starting out in my career, I'm just going to be focused on my career and working out and then I'll deal with a relationship or, you know, friends later on. And life doesn't work that way. And that was actually why I wrote the pie life was because 
uh, what I recognized when I, I I'd worked with so many women, thousands of women, and I interviewed a hundred top performing women for the book, whether it was, you know, Sally Krawcheck or, um, or, or Gail King. And one thing they all had in common was that they lived in seven areas of their life. Okay. They weren't narrowly focused. They allowed themselves to have careers and their health and their relationship or their quest to find one and their friends and their hobbies and their community and their families. And because they had these full rich lives, they were so much more fulfilled. Yeah. And when you have these things, right. It's like, Michelle, you do your podcast, you go back to your family, you're full, right. You go to yeah. dinner that night, you tell them about your day and, and you feel like you are full and yes. your tank is full. And we forget that when our tank is full, it allows us to share our energy with our family and be better at being a mom at a friend yes. at being a friend, a spouse, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the challenge is, is number one, I, I love the concept of your book and I will be reading it. So thank you for that, putting out, out into the world. Um, you know, but I think the thing is, is women forget they even have a tank to fuel sometimes it's, you know, it's astonishing. And I think you, unless you are taking the moment to stop and actually evaluate, like run a huge, huge fan, like just run a current state analysis, just look at it. And to make an educated next step, if you don't slow down long enough to do that, then you're just going to keep repeating it. Right. It's such a great point. And I mean, you and I see so many women who just are kind of like surviving. Oh my gosh, life is so hard. And it's always about like, maybe next year will be better. And, and we forget that there's little people watching that home movie every day. And if you said like to those same women, what do you want your kids to grow up? What kind of life do you want them to have? They say, I want them to be happy and enjoy their life, but they're not seeing you enjoy your life and allow you to take all these risks and enjoy your life and have a rich life. And so you're so much better off being able to show your kids the home movie of you thriving, not just surviving. Yes. And you know, I think work-life balance has gotten a bad name, but like, it's, it's, it's how you define it. Like to me, it's saying, you know what, I'll leave the dirty dishes in the sink and meet my friend for a margarita, like make those choices. It's not about having a perfect looking home or a perfect looking, you know, Facebook page. It's about actually living and having a messy life. And the reason the pie analogy was so important to me is because the most delicious pies are not those store-bought perfect looking ones. They're like the messy, gooey, dripping over the side ones. Those are the ones you want to eat. And that's how your life should look. Yeah. And to your earlier point, like it fills you up. Like everybody can probably point to a moment where they were just present in that moment, that messy, crazy ass moment. And you just felt full, not depleted, not like you resented everybody else in the freaking room. Like you just felt full. And I always, I use a similar, like the pie, like the wheel of life in the coaching world. Right. So, and figuring out like that work-life integration is what people are struggling with right now. And I think your company gives a fantastic, you know, alternative to a nine to five, right? That's the goal. And we have a lot of people, interestingly enough, who, when I first started it, I thought it would be like the desperate divorcee who just got into a bad situation and really needs to get her life back in order. And we do have some of those people, but I would say more of the people are people who either are doing this full-time or doing it as a side hustle in the hopes of eventually leaving their full-time thing or having enough of a financial cushion that they have that backup for vacations or for their kids' college fund or whatever it is. And so it's been interesting to see the evolution. I mean, we have people who are doctors still and doing this, and we have people who 
run development offices and run companies and are accountants full time. And, and then we also have people who had thriving careers and are now doing this. And so it really is um, something that fits into people's lives flexibly. And obviously one thing that we've seen since the pandemic is we've you know more than doubled just because there's so many talented people who really need an opportunity that offers that flexibility that a corporate job doesn't. Yeah. And that's where the corporations, if you're listening, corporations are really going to lose out on so many freaking amazing people, because if you're going to make them choose, which at this point, if you haven't woken up to the fact that you should not make them choose, you know, you're going to be hurting pretty damn soon. If not right now. Oh, that's folks. True. That's true. And that's <laughs> One thing this has made me even realize, like we were all in the office together every single day and I was commuting to the office 45 minutes each way. And it's like, do you really need to be in the office together every single day? Maybe you don't, right? And and a lot of it is about trust. We tend to, because we're trained this way, right? Like our parents had nine to five jobs. So it was like, if you are not seeing someone work, they're not working. That's kind of right. like how our brains think. Exactly. And it's, it's forced me as a leader to readjust and be like, you know what? I trust my team and I don't need to know where they're every second to know that the work is being done. And I think it's, it's, it's the quality of the work over the FaceTime that's become more important. Yes. yes. And I think we're going to see, at least in my opinion, we're going to see a whole different realm of leaders step up and come forward too, because they are leaders who are going to care about the human aspect of work and say, and do exactly what you just said, where the proof is in the work. The proof isn't in you sitting at a computer for eight hours, because that's not productive anyway. I had hours straight at a computer. <laughs> right. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, is there any kind of last tidbits that you'd like to give our listeners, you know, around Park Place or the empowerment that needs to happen for women or anything that's kind of top of mind for you right now? Yeah, I think I, I've spent a lot of time recently on Clubhouse. Uh, and it, it has been a real education for me, not just in expanding my own network, um, but in in finding that there's this difference, it's really interesting. So it's like, I almost like divide the world into two people right now, right? It's the kind of person that's like, I'm gonna just do it today, right? I'm just gonna go for it. And it really, so much of this is not about what education you have or what positions you've had. So much of it is about your inner drive and your grit and accessing your inner confidence. And I really believe we all have it in there. Some of us, it's deeper, it's buried deeper than others. But once you access that confidence and go for your goals, you will just be a more fulfilled, happier person. And if I could encourage anyone who's listening right now to really take that leap, there's always a reason you can't start today, right? It's someone's birthday or someone's going on a business trip or it's, you know, someone is staying with you or you know, you're waiting for this doctor's appointment, whatever it is, we have a zillion excuses or I'm just waiting for to lose 10 pounds or I'm waiting for the raise or I'm waiting to break up with them. whatever it is. It's it's all about going for that today because that's what's going to speed you up to having a happier life. And if you don't start today, you'll wish you had started today when it's six months from now, six months from now. Yeah. I love that you said that. Cause I've always, I remember in my corporate life when I was hiring, I would take someone with the will over the skill any day. Cause you know, that person is coming, coming at you with a whole uh, different level of commitment. Yes. It's taken me years to realize that like work ethic and positivity are the two things I hire for most well over experience. I would much rather someone, if someone has drive and a great work ethic and they're positive, the sky's the limit, right? They can do anything. Yeah. Well, tell folks where they can find, find you specifically and, you know, and I'll make sure to include this all in the notes as well, as well as Park Place, because they need to go find that too. 
Yeah. So if they want to join us, they should come to parkplacepayments.com and just fill out a launch your career form and someone right. on our team will contact you immediately. Um, and then to find me, you can find me on social media at Samantha Edis. I'm on Clubhouse at Samantha, um, on Twitter at Samantha Edis and Instagram at Samantha Edis and then um, at samanthaedis.com as well. I love it. And pick up her book, folks, too. Look at it all because I just, I really loved kind of going down the rabbit hole and doing the research for this one because, you know, you've just got so many great messages out there. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks, Michelle. You're such a great interviewer. Thanks. <laughs> you know, the majority of this, this, this interview was really steeped in empowering women to step into and take control of their finances. So no offense, guys, if you're listening, but oftentimes, you know, that story that Sam told about her mother talking to her about, you know, a woman she knew who did no longer want to be in the marriage, but didn't have the money to leave is something I've, I've heard time and time again from people. You know, I've experienced the fear myself. I've seen it growing up and, you know, so it is, it is not as uncommon as some people may think. And as, as women, that's that stat that she talked about, about, you know, if you leave the workplace, um, is, is startling on so many levels. And if we, as women can normalize those conversations, normalize talking about money, normalize, you know, building our own nest eggs, can you imagine how unstoppable we would be with that? It's just, it's an incredible topic to kind of dive into. And on next week's episode, just to kind of continue the dialogue on money, on wealth building, I am talking to Christina Wise, who is actually she coaches millionaires and she's going to explain to us what the difference between generating income, right? Making money versus building wealth, because there are two, those are two very distinct things. So you will not want to miss this because she tells us all the secret little ins and outs about, you know, really how to build wealth and, and leave a legacy for those around you. So, and as always folks to help us out, please don't forget to subscribe, download rate and review and, you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.